Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is going to be not just weeks, but months and conceivably years. New modeling data shows how well COVID safety measures are working and how devastating it could be to back off now. Planning to travel? Don't forget to pack a mask, the new requirement on all Canadian flights. And so close, but still so far. Since we are cut off from each other, we meet here. The unusual isolation of people living in Point Roberts. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. New modeling data shows BC is doing a good job flattening the curve, but it also shows what could still happen if we abandon strict physical distancing rules. The data compares B.C. to other international hotspots like Italy, Spain and China. Richard Zussman shows us what health experts are learning from that data. It's been the clear message. Follow the rules and knock down the virus. On Friday, some proof of success. As you can see, we have flattened that curve. This is what Dr. Bonnie Henry means. When looking at diagnosed cases of COVID-19, British Columbia has seen a leveling out of confirmed cases, while many other jurisdictions continue to see dramatic increases. Closer to home, British Columbia also sees a flattening of the curve sooner than Quebec and Ontario, where the cases keep climbing. Compared to Canada, we are still at a fairly low but steady rate, and we are much lower than uh, what we see for the United States, for Italy, for Spain. The province releasing more details than ever before about the COVID-19 cases here. With data used up until April 14th, the median age of the 1,517 test positive cases was 54 years old. The average age of those hospitalized, 68 years old. Of the 72 deaths in the province, the average age, 86 years old. The median age of those who have needed hospital care is about a decade older than those who have been affected. And this again reflects that most young healthy people have relatively mild illness. The numbers only tell part of the story. The measures are working, but the province says it's no reason now to ease up on the restrictions. And those restrictions will remain in place until at least the middle of May. We have to find that balance. We need to find the balance of, of you know, how much contact still protects us in our communities and our families, but allows us to open things up. So I can't tell you exactly what it looks like. The biggest concern is if these barren beaches fill up again or these empty tables are bustling, the virus will roar back and all the hard work will be forgotten. We have never been collectively this confined as a community and thus we've never had to determine how to become less confined than we are now. And this will be a difficult process. A process health officials acknowledge there's no roadmap for yet. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, let's get right to the numbers from today. There are 43 new cases in B.C. for a total now of 1,618. 
There were no new deaths, thankfully. So far, 78 people in B.C. have died. Keith Baldry joins us now live with more on this. Keith, what might this mean for any return to normal? Obviously, it seems like we are in this for the long haul. We certainly are. Both Adrian Dix and Dr. Bonnie Henry using words like months, if not years, of how long it's going to take to get through this. But there are going to be some changes, some easing up of some of the restrictions that are currently underway. First of all, in healthcare, look for some elective surgeries to begin as early as mid-May. Uh, there's 15,000 cancelled. They're going to have to clear that backlog pretty quick. Schools could also reopen before the end of the school year with radical changes, including staggered hours and not all kids being in class at the same time. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like any International travel is going to be up and running uh, for some time, so that's probably one of the longer uh, things we're going to have to go without. And also, when it comes to social distancing, there may it's going to remain in place, no question at all, but there might, might be some potential modifications in terms of who you should be around rather than just members of your immediate household. Perhaps that'll be broadened to include others, but that's going to play out over the next few months. But even at the end of this, or as we get through this, Dr. Henry is making it clear, we're not going back to the world as we knew it a few months ago. I will caution, though, it is not going to be the same. We are not going back to, um, right now, what we had in, in December. It's not going to be the same. Our new normal for the coming months, and it may be some time, is going to be uh, modifications of what we're seeing right now. So you heard her refer to the coming months. That's going to stretch on a long time. Uh, her next briefing, of course, is tomorrow at noon here in Victoria. We'll be carrying that live on Global's noon, news, noon hour. And I'll be on afterwards, of course, with context and analysis. All right. Look forward to that. Thank you very much, Keith. And we want to remind folks we're also holding another town hall with Dr. Henry and Minister Dix on Monday's news hour starting at 630. So you can email your COVID-19 questions to us now. The address is questions at globalnews.ca. A significant new development for anyone flying in and out of Canada now. Air travelers will now be required to wear a non-medical mask. Nadia Stewart joins us from Vancouver with the details on that. Nadia? Yeah, the new rules come into effect as of April 20th. That's Monday. Travelers are now required to wear a mask that covers their nose and mouth during travel at any screening checkpoints. And whenever it is impossible for them to maintain those two meters of physical distancing, travelers also have to show that they have the appropriate mask or else it could interfere with them being able to continue on their journey. These same recommendations are also being extended to those traveling via rail, which includes via rail as well as ferries, but for ferry passengers, they could be denied boarding if they fail to comply. Now, much like we saw after September 11th, a number of changes were introduced to make air travel safer, but it took a while before people felt safe enough to fly. We spoke with travel expert Claire Newell. She said to prepare for a similar experience in the post-COVID-19 world. And I expect that there'll be lineups because of that, um, especially with uh, health testing. So when you're boarding a flight or you're going into a hotel or boarding a cruise ship, you may need, like Emirates needs now, a blood test to prove that you don't have COVID-19. You may need to have your temperature checked uh, or other, other uh, health measures just to make sure that everyone who you're traveling with is safe. 
Now, we did check in with TransLink to see whether or not they were planning on introducing these same recommendations for buses and trains here in the metro area. They pointed out that these recommendations from Transport Canada were not extended to urban transit systems, so they won't be doing that. Although they do encourage passengers, if it does make them feel better, they are more than welcome to wear it. Back to you guys. All right. Thanks for that, Nadia Stewart in Vancouver. Across Canada, some 6 million people have already applied for emergency funding because they've lost their job or had their hours slashed. But what about politicians and high-paid executives? Their paychecks aren't threatened, but a small number of them are now offering to take a pay cut or donating their salaries. Jordan Armstrong reports. At a time when so many Canadians have lost their jobs, is this the time for executives to take a hit themselves? through a pay cut. It's something the CEO of Science World has already done. I've um, taken a 40% reduction in salary, so we're doing everything we can to reduce our costs. Global News contacted BC Pavilion Corporation, operator of BC Place and the Convention Centre, BC Ferries, TransLink, and Vancouver Airport, public or semi-public organizations hit hard by the COVID downturn to see if any of their executives have taken pay cuts. The response was either no or no response. They should be leading by example. The city of Vancouver is hemorrhaging cash. 1,800 city workers laid off. Managers and non-union staff who are still working are being forced to take a 10% pay cut. Mayor Kennedy Stewart has volunteered to reduce his salary by 10%, and this councillor says she'll do the same. It's my view that if others are uh, subject to this and facing hard times, and we're hearing that across the city, uh, then I, I think that it should apply to me too. And it should apply to MPs and MLAs, says the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. They often have very secure, comfortable jobs. Uh, they're in a much better spot financially than most British Columbians. And so it's really important for them to take a leadership role here and to take some salary reductions. New Zealand's done it. The Prime Minister and her top government officials have taken a 20% pay cut for six months. Because in her words... It is about leadership. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. We are getting a closer look at a COVID-19 drive through testing site in Burnaby's Central Park. Local politicians, dignitaries and physicians gathered in the park's parking lot this afternoon, all physically distanced, to discuss testing, assessment and treatment at the site. Burnaby Mayor Mike Hurley provided a walkthrough tour. He says he believes the program is successfully separating potentially infectious patients from non-COVID-related cases in medical clinics. This is all coming together as we as we can see as a community and this is going to really benefit us as we move forward as well. People who believe they have the novel coronavirus are not allowed to just show up and demand a test. They must be referred by a healthcare professional in order to get a test done. A Vancouver Island First Nation is taking strict measures to keep COVID-19 out of its community and protect its elders. As Brad McLeod reports, the Nanaimo area First Nation is turning away some travelers trying to drive through its territory. First Nations in B.C. also doing their part to help flatten the curve and keep COVID out of their communities. The Saywood First Nation on the South Island putting up these signs on a very popular beach walk to keep people out. Not just signs for the Snunemuch First Nation. John! 
checkpoints. This community near Nanaimo has 1,700 residents. The checkpoints to make sure only residents and essential services are coming and going. The chief and health officers say they decided on this precaution when they saw the outbreaks in care homes around the country. We have a vast number of uh, elders who are, are quite vulnerable. So we wanted to step up our cautionary measures. The traffic has slowed down tremendous down here. The chief says the majority of people are respecting the measures. Some don't think it's necessary. The band is also producing video updates for members in and away from the nation. Good afternoon, Snanemo. We've been getting a lot of positive feedback from our community uh, and what we've been doing with the videos. It's very tough, you know. It's uh, We're a social people. You know, we want to communicate face-to-face, go up and see each other, hug each other, shake each other's hands, and at this time we can't do that. Snunemuch doesn't have any COVID-19 cases. Their 90 or so elders have been spared so far. But Blueberry River First Nation in northeastern BC is dealing with multiple COVID-19 cases. They've also restricted access to their community. And of course, when elders get sick, it has an extra layer of importance because if they pass, they take with them very important languages and irreplaceable oral histories. Brad McLeod, Global News, Say What First Nation. In a move to keep thousands working during the pandemic, the Prime Minister has announced $1.7 billion to clean up obsolete oil and gas wells in B.C., Alberta and Saskatchewan. But as Paul Johnson reports, critics say it amounts to a bailout for the companies responsible for this long-standing environmental headache. Oil and gas country in western Canada is home to tens of thousands of inactive wells that are supposed to be cleaned up by the companies that drilled them. John Waring is a David Suzuki Foundation scientist who's made several research trips to BC's oil fields. By his count, only about 6% have been closed down properly. And what they're simply doing is walking away from them. They're not fixing them. Our goal is to create immediate jobs in these provinces while helping companies avoid bankruptcy and supporting our environmental targets. The federal government's announcement Tuesday is being applauded by many as a hat trick. Good for the environment, good for unemployed oil workers, and good for the industry. But that last point might be the one not everyone celebrates. The law in Canada says that oil and gas companies are supposed to pay to clean up any mess they leave behind. So one consequence of Ottawa's new plan is that you, the taxpayer, now get to help pay for what private industry couldn't figure out how to do on its own. If a British Columbian is out at the lake and they spill gas in the lake, they are required to pay fines and remediation in order to clean it up. Wilderness Committee climate campaigner Peter McCartney is happy to take an apparent win for the environment, but isn't sure that pouring money into the same sector that couldn't get the job done before is the best move. Everyone else in the country follows those rules, but this is an example of how industry is not going to have to pay to clean up its own mess, but the public is taking over. The industry's trade group told Global News Friday that over the past 20 years, government has received more than $300 billion in tax revenue from the oil and gas sector, and that support for them now will position them to help rebuild the economy going forward. For many of Canada's environment and industry watchdog groups, though, the reaction is likely to applaud with one hand and hold their nose with the other. Paul Johnson, Global News. 
Wildfire crews are finally getting the upper hand on that aggressive fire burning north of Squamish. However, a number of homes have already been lost. At least three homes have been destroyed or badly damaged by the fire that sparked up on Wednesday. The flames are now contained to a ridge between Squamish and Paradise Valleys, and the fire remains about two square kilometers in size. A number of evacuation orders are still in place. About 55 families have been impacted. The fire is believed to have started as a lagging slash burn that quickly grew out of control. A Vancouver Art Gallery uh, hit hard by the pandemic and the ensuing COVID-19 crime wave has solved part of its stolen art mystery. Two of three valuable paintings that vanished in an overnight Easter weekend heist are back. As Rumina Dea reports, they were sold on the streets for a small fraction of what they're worth. So as you can see, just on the corners here, there's a lot of scuffing. Beaten up, but not broken. Um, and then again up here, just on the corner. Donna Giroux's painting, fittingly titled Believe, has been returned. I was floored. It was nice to know that there are some amazing people out there that are still trying to do the right thing. A second stolen artwork by Jolene Devante, also back where it belongs. Did you ever think you were going to see these pieces again? I, I thought the chances were very, very slim. Three valuable pieces worth $10,000, plus another four grand in art supplies, were stolen from the Space and Art Gallery overnight Easter Sunday. Fast forward to Thursday when a mystery woman walks in the door with a delivery. It's a good heart that brought them back. You know, she's done the right thing. She found out that they were stolen and for that reason returned them. The woman who returned the items seemed like a nice, genuine person, said the gallery owners. They don't believe she was involved in the heist. The story is she purchased the paintings and canvases on on the street on the downtown east side for 150 bucks total value seven thousand dollars well she mentioned that something kind of felt off with the sale so she looked up the names of, of the artists on the paintings and then she found the gallery and saw the posts where it said that they were stolen olga robalco's landscape piece is still missing. The oil painting is 24 by 30 inches. Vancouver police are investigating. There are no leads. I think I've kind of just accepted the situation at this point. So now it's up to the universe whether it comes back or not. Robalco asking the community to keep its eyes open. People are struggling right now. The artists say they understand. But buying stolen goods only amplifies the problem. Romina Dea, Global News. It became the unlikely symbol of the legislature spending scandal. Remember that? And now the legendary wood splitter is in the hands of the RCMP. The police hauling away the wood splitter that's been stored behind the legislature building for more than a year. Former legislature clerk Craig James has been under investigation for breach of trust after spending taxpayers' money for the log splitter, which he said he had been storing at his Saanich home. In the beginning, they did take possession of the uh, of the wood splitter and trailer, uh, you know, from the residence of the former clerk. Uh, then they released it to the to the legislature, and now they've asked to, to take custody of it again. It is still owned by the people of British Columbia, obviously, uh, but right now, as part of the investigation, the RCMP have taken custody.
James and former Sergeant-at-Arms Gary Lenz came under investigation when House Speaker Daryl Plekis released a report in January 2019 accusing them of misspending public funds. Both men have maintained they did nothing wrong. Restrictions on cross-border travel are a blessing and a curse in Point Roberts. Residents are cut off. Canadians can't visit. But that isn't stopping separated families from seeing each other. How that's made the Little Peninsula a very safe place in just over a minute. The world watches as the U.S. considers reopening the economy. Why so many people say they're not ready. Coming up on the news hour. And a rugby player has nothing but time to practice his amazing trick shot after just missing the first attempt. That's coming up later. Right now, though, it's always been one of the strangest geographical anomalies in the world. But during the COVID-19 epidemic, Point Roberts is one of the safest places on the globe. Border restrictions have kept the community COVID-free so far. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, that comes with a downside as well. Along a stretch of grass straddling both Canada and the United States, some cross-border visiting takes place. Since we are cut off from each other, we meet here. Residents of Point Roberts, Washington, are forced to see friends and family this way as the border is closed to non-essential travel. The only family that we really have is my three nieces down here. So this is perfect. This tiny community of 1,300 permanent residents is just five square miles, and accessing it by land requires driving through Canada. Locals seem to agree that right now, that makes the point one of the safest places in North America. As of this interview, I know of no positive COVID uh, cases or presumptive households uh, in Point Roberts, and I think that's a wonderful thing. But no Canadian visitors also means the economy is suffering. They're not coming to buy gas, use their summer homes, or take out their boats at the marina. It's very quiet in Point Roberts. It's usually just bubbling with people and a lot of boaters going out and enjoying the Pacific Northwest. For now, these border-straddling visits are sure to continue at a legal and safe distance. Everyone anxious for the border to fully reopen. I think everybody misses our friends to the north, not having uh, the people that we are used to having to say hello to and to develop relationships with at this time of year. I think that uh, to some degree, it's, it's uh, affecting all of us. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Up next, a COVID threat you probably didn't consider. This was different. Our families felt uh, vulnerable. Why the people who guide all those big ships into safe harbor say they need better protection. Plus, how getting grandma hooked up on Zoom doesn't have to be hard. Traffic is in good shape over here at the Patello Bridge this evening. Just pockets of volume north and south on McBride. At Kermat Collision and Autoglass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Patello Bridge. Another potential threat to BC from COVID-19 has emerged at our ports. Marine pilots that help guide foreign vessels to the dock are the first to make contact with crews from other countries. And as John Waugh reports, like healthcare workers, they're worried about having enough personal protection equipment to keep themselves and others safe. 
It's their trusted knowledge that helps foreign vessels navigate through BC's precious coast. Currents and winds and uh, local conditions that those foreign crews really have no understanding of. But being the first point of contact with ship crews from around the world during the COVID-19 pandemic is uncharted waters for marine pilots. This was different. Our families felt uh, vulnerable. The pilots felt concerned. Houston, 075. An integral part of the supply chain, crucial shipments would be unable to make it to port without BC Coast pilots in the wheelhouse of these massive ships. But like many essential services on the front lines, access to protective supplies is scarce. Well, that PPE piece for us, like everyone else in the world right now, has become more critical than ever. Stitching together a stopgap measure is the wife of one of those marine pilots. He's dealing with all these strangers um, and, uh, and uh, we're worried about him bringing the virus home. The owner of Dream Designs now using her bedding and drapery factory to make non-medical organic cotton masks for BC Coast pilots and others. We're in this crisis right now. What can we do to help people? And uh, uh, to us, it's to just make masks as quickly as we can and get it out there. Tang knows better protection comes from medical grade masks and still hopes marine pilots like her husband will be given some priority. Masks uh, during a pandemic is essentially like wearing seatbelts or helmet or, or life jackets. So while marine pilots vow to keep the supply chain moving, the families of those navigating through this pandemic on the front lines of our coastal waters ask that they are not forgotten. John Hua, Global News. Up next, the U.S. lurches ahead with plans to reopen the economy. Maybe some setbacks that we may have to pull back a little. The major stumbling block to doing it smoothly. But first, why Canada Day will look a lot different this year. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here we are over the Alex Fraser Bridge, where traffic is in good shape north and south. Just some minor congestion for eastbound traffic on the east-west connector near Knight Street. At Kermac Collision and Auto Glass, the safety and well-being of their employees, customers, and community is their top priority. For essential vehicle repair information, please visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Instead of the usual huge gatherings on Parliament Hill and other sites across the country, Canada Day 2020 will be celebrated virtually. The federal government made that announcement this morning with very few other details. What they have said is that planning is already underway with a group of artists and artisans to put together a program that would allow Canadians to celebrate together while keeping their distance. Well, who knows what July 4th is going to look like because there is a battle brewing in the U.S. about when and how to reopen the economy there. President Trump and the governors of many states are at odds over the issue of testing to ensure the U.S. doesn't slide back into chaos. Global's Reggie Cicchini has more. Washington has laid out a new roadmap to recovery. Our team of experts now agrees that we can begin the next front in our war. 
The staged approach offers guidelines for governors to follow, but it isn't a guarantee. This is uncharted water. There may be some setbacks that we may have to pull back a little and then go forward. Setbacks because testing is still a major concern. You do need testing because we need to know what actually is happening in our communities. We have to trust the numbers that we have. Six weeks in, there is no national strategy. The president pushing back on calls for the federal government to play a bigger role. This is mayhem. We need a coordinated approach between the federal government and the states. These new guidelines leave states on the hook to pay for and carry out large-scale testing. The president doesn't want to believe that testing is a problem. A problem in areas that are still climbing in their curves. Today, our team is doing a walkthrough of the convention center with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. reporting just under 2,000 new cases on Friday. The issue of testing is also front and center in South Dakota. We are aggressively testing this population, and we're being very transparent with the public about it. The state didn't have a stay-at-home order in place and has seen its confirmed cases triple in the last week. The outbreak is spreading so rapidly, one of America's largest meat processing plants is closed after more than 600 employees tested positive. Barely 1% of the U.S. population has been tested, and there are fears of a second wave of the virus if states opt to open early or rush their guidelines simply to curry favor with the president. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. BC's biggest challenge so far has been controlling outbreaks in long-term care homes where the residents are most vulnerable to the devastating impact of COVID-19. That puts huge pressure on the staff at those facilities, but Global's Claudia Van Emmerich spoke with two care aides in the Okanagan who say despite feeling anxious themselves, they're putting on a brave face for the seniors they serve. They are both longtime care aides with more than 30 years of experience between them. But never, they say, have their jobs been more difficult and stressful than now. You go home and you try to lie your head down and not have your mind racing and wandering and worrying about things. The two work at the Haven Hill Retirement Center in Penticton and have reason to worry. Long-term care facilities across the country have been bearing the brunt of the deadly COVID-19 pandemic with care aides on the front lines of the battle. Are we going to have enough masks? You know, is there enough you know, hand soap here? You know, how are deliveries going to get to and from you know, through the country? Unlike the Lower Mainland, there have been no outbreaks at long-term care homes here in the Interior Health region. But on Thursday, the health authority revealed that a staff at a care facility in Cranbrook was diagnosed with COVID-19. At this point, no residents have been affected. And while Haven Hill does everything it can to prevent an outbreak, including being on lockdown, the threat of one isn't far from staffers' minds. It crosses my mind on a daily basis as I come to work. Who feel immense pressure to do everything possible to avoid bringing the virus into the facility. I believe everybody's doing their best and staying at home as much as they can. Um, I know a lot of us are only coming to work and other people are doing shopping for us. I myself have two young boys at home who I have to social distance myself from when I am home. When asked how the public can support them, they echo the same sentiment. Stay home as much as you can, maintain your social distancing. I think that's really what's saving us right now. Claudia Van Emmerich, Global News. They'll feel the love at 7 o'clock like the rest of our healthcare heroes for sure. Coming up next, a better way to keep seniors connected. We must all have these essential digital skills.
how technology can be the glue that keeps families together. And it is Friday, so don't forget about satellite debris. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, Zoom conferences and FaceTime calls have replaced face to face meetings for so many families right now, but for some seniors, that technology can be mystifying. For us as well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's where a BC nonprofit called Glue is helping generations of loved ones come together virtually. Linda Aylesworth reports. Like many older adults, Roz LeBlanc owns a smartphone. Even so... I have hesitation, like a lot of people do, a little nervous about starting to use technology. She's not alone. I was using my iPhone probably maybe an eighth of its capability. And I didn't realize all the things that the iPhone could do, and I do now. Ray Daggett does now because of the Glue Technology Society, a not-for-profit organization that teaches older adults how to use technology free of charge. Linda Faucus is the founder. Her inspiration? Her 87-year-old mother. She didn't really want to use the technology very much. We wanted her to connect by text and email. Recently, Glue took their seminars online. They had to if they were going to succeed in reaching seniors in self-isolation. The interest is overwhelming. We've gone through thousands and thousands of seniors in the last three weeks alone. They are consistently full. We're hitting the limits on all of our streaming services that we're using. She's a wealth of information and she speaks in language that we can understand, so it's really been great. Roz, a member of the BC Hydro Power Pioneers, a social group that's had to put its social gatherings on hold for now, is grateful for the skills the Glue Society has given her. Ordering groceries, like getting people comfortable with the idea that it's okay, you can go in and set up an account and have your groceries delivered, or things that you you really need to know now. Ray is also a power pioneer and Glue alumni. I think it's really important. I think uh, it's important from the, stand, from the viewpoint that you can keep in touch with friends and family very easy, and you see the person, it's, it's like almost being right there. A big part of what we do is give them confidence in knowing and helping them understand they can do it, they can figure it out, they're not too old to figure it out. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. It's the rugby trick shot that not just Chris Scalas... My buddy here on the desk will appreciate that. Oh, nice. Coming up right after Christy Gordon and the weather forecast. <laughs> Nothing but net. That's awesome. Okay, uh, let's check in with Christy, who's out there in, uh, well, it wasn't exactly sunny today, but it was still pretty pleasant, wasn't it, Christy? That's right. Now, we did see a few sprinkles ahead of reports of them, but not at the airport. So today is day officially 13 of dry weather at the airport. We're getting up there. That means we are close to record breaking. Let me show you some of the stats just to give you perspective of how dry this April has been. Very dry. So monthly average, and that's in total, we're only at, what, 17th of April. So we're not near the end yet, but we've only had 2.4 millimeters of rain, just a fraction of what we would typically see throughout this month. Now, when we look at it in terms of I'm having a hard time clicking why is that the case can you click for me 
Okay, it changed. I hope I don't pass it. Okay, so that puts us at officially um, third. We're tied for third. We need to reach 16 days of dry weather in order to actually be the record. Uh, and it looks like if the forecast holds that that will be the case. I'm going to let you keep, uh, oh no, I can see it now. So overnight, the conditions are going to clear out. Um, we have seen uh, a few showers in through the interior regions. The cloud cover across our region should clear out. We're back to sunshine tomorrow. We certainly may see some lingering cloud in the morning on Saturday and again on Sunday, but otherwise sunshine and warmth. Double digits across the north in through the south. Again, that chance of showers mainly south of Kamloops, south of Revelstoke, and then again, it will push out and you'll be back to sunshine on Sunday. For our region, some cloud cover tomorrow morning, but otherwise sunshine. So sunshine Saturday, Sunday, and Monday with warmth. The change is expected to occur late Tuesday. So that's why we're not really counting Tuesday as a potential dry day because we could see it before the end of the day. And I just want to show you our weather window, our Centra windows weather window from White Rock Pier. Yes, no one on the pier and Davidson's capturing that mm. shot. A little too bad because they just went through a year without mm -hmm. the uh, pier and now it's shut down. But people are still getting out and enjoying. Just keep safe, everyone. I really urge you to do so. Social distancing, two meters at least. All right, guys, back to you. So important. All right, thanks, Christy. Well, since they can't hit the court, the pitch, or the ice, athletes from across the sports world continue to entertain us on social media. That's right. Today's shot of the day comes from Twitter. Mark Snade is an English professional rugby player with Hull Rugby Football Club. Watch him combine the rugby kicking skills with basketball. The first reverse kick hits the rim. The next one, boom, <laughs> nothing but net. Amazing. Feel like you got to try that yourself now. You know, it's a rare skill <laughs> to be able to do that. And kicking backwards, I'm not sure how you would ever develop that you, skill. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You but. pull something for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, let's check in with uh, Squire for a look at the sports world now. Squire? I think that could be a whole new sport, basket rugby. <laughs> Uh, sign me up. A lot more hitting in that one than regular basketball. Okay, next week we will reveal the voting results for our all-time Canucks team. I'm going to uh, put the web address up for voting in a second while I ask you all, don't forget about some of the guys from the, well, not-so-distant past. Here is the address, globalnews.ca, Vancouver all-time roster. Oh, there's Tanty and Sunstrom, and Cam Neely's in there, too. When he was a Vancouver Canuck, is this Steve Tambellini? Whatever the case, this is 80s hockey you're watching now. The, the best kind of hockey. Also coming up, satellite debris and an appearance by Gritty. Canucks rock roster or present Canucks roster? They're all good Canucks to us. Here's Squire. Yes, for the last two weeks we've been asking you to help us out. Help us pick an all-time Canucks roster. Two goalies, six defensemen, four centers, eight wingers, even a head coach. And we have had a lot of votes. Now, we knew the players from the glory years of the 90s. Of course, the 2011 team, even some of the players of today, would get lots of consideration. And they should. I mean, I think despite being a rookie, Quinn Hughes is already one of the best six Canuck defensemen I've ever seen. He would make my team. But we wanted to give a little shout-out to some of the very good players who might get a little lost in the Canucks history books. When it comes to building an all-time Canucks roster, some choices are pretty obvious. I mean, how can you not have any of the banner boys on this team? But there is debate beyond the obvious ones, which is what makes this exercise fun. Do any of the guys who played in the 70s get a spot? Elliot Graves goes after the puck in front, they score! 
Don Lever. It'll be tough since those teams weren't very good. It'll also be tough for the 80s players, although there was some high-level talent back then, like the combination of Patrick Sundstrom and sniper Tony Tanti, who had five straight years of 39 goals or more. You know, with, with, with Patrick, he was a, at, at that time, he was a big guy, strong, great skater, uh, and he was a pass-first centerman, and I was a shoot-first player. <laughs> so we really complimented each other. Another icon of the 80s for the Canucks was Thomas Gerdine, who was really Vancouver's first great Swedish centerman. In fact, he's one of the best centermen they've ever had. Elias Pettersson, of course, is the latest great Swedish centerman, but there are similarities between those two. Yeah, I mean, there's similarities with uh, the way Elias plays and Thomas Gerdine, uh, very unselfish. And, uh, you know, Elias probably has a better shot than Thomas had. And Thomas was a player that if there was a two-on-one, 99% of the time, whether he had a shot or not, he'd make the pass to you. He was so unselfish and was a real pleasure to play with. So a great skater, played in all situations, killed penalties, played on the power play, regular shift, of course. Uh, just a real, real classy player. So if you're voting on who should be on the Canucks all-time roster, don't forget some of the boys who wore the flying Vs. There are some names to consider there as well. Dustin Bufflin is now a free agent. The Winnipeg Jets and Bufflin decided to end their rather bizarre dispute by agreeing to terminate the last two years of his five-year contract. He surprised the Jets on the eve of the preseason when he said he had no desire to play anymore. Then he changed his mind a month later, wanted to return only after ankle surgery, though. The Jets then suspended him, so the release was inevitable. And at the WNBA draft today... The woman we uh, talked about yesterday, Ace Koenig, didn't get drafted, but that still doesn't mean she couldn't make a WNBA team. We'll see. All right. All right. Now here's Andrew with a preview of Global News at 11. Ann. Thanks, Squire. A Burnaby man is facing charges after a supply van was stolen from St. Paul's Hospital in Vancouver. The van was taken this morning from the hospital's underground parking lot when the keys were left inside. We'll tell you how police were able to track down the vehicle. Plus, one Vancouver City Councillor says she's on board with the Victoria Mayor's suggestion for the province to seize vacated hotel rooms to house the homeless during the pandemic. We'll hear from Councillor Jean Swanson on why she thinks this motion should go through. Those stories and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris? Sounds good. Thanks very much, Anne. When we come back, a salute to our health care hero and satellite debris. We are just minutes away from celebrating the hard work and dedication of BC's healthcare heroes. But before you go outside to do that, we want to take a moment to acknowledge someone you have nominated. And tonight we're saying a big thank you to Lisa Hartley. Lisa is an ICU nurse working out of Vancouver General Hospital right now. Her co-workers nominated her because of her compassion, saying she treats every patient with kindness and respect. They submitted this photo of Lisa showing the lines on her face from wearing one of those PPE masks and goggles after a long shift. Along with a lot of other BC couples, Lisa has had to postpone her June wedding to her fiancé, Daryl, who is a police officer with the Lower Mainland Emergency Response Team. And Lisa posts healthy food recipes on her Instagram account as well to help encourage social distancing for oh, people. That looks delicious. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have a BC healthcare hero, and thank you, Lisa, for being our hero tonight. If you have a BC healthcare hero you'd like to recognize, the email is on your screen, bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. And congratulations on your wedding when it does happen. Exactly. All right, now, Satellite Debris with Squire. Take it away. Okay, so uh, we have a commercial here from Doritos, which 
fits what's going on, and also, as you may have seen earlier, gritty. Down to your last Dorito and the delivery is two weeks away? Consider your steps wisely. <laughs> I love that. Okay, I thought I'd put some old school ones in here that always get a laugh. First off, 3.co.uk. Now more than ever. Yes, and now another one of my old favorites when the uh, kid misinterprets his gift from Chevy. Blindfold mom, really? Is this necessary? Happy graduation, sweetie! Ah! Ah! <laughs> I can't believe you got me this car! <laughs> Amazing! Status update. I'm calling grandma. grandma. Should we tell him that? No, no, let him tire out first. Jogger, check out my sweet ride. How can you jog when you can drive? <laughs> Not yet, he's losing steam. <laughs> Just let him ride its course. I'm marrying you right now. So marrying you right now. We're getting married. This is the best day of my life. <laughs> hey, Steve. Best gift ever. Love the car. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, that is all the time we have tonight. Thank you, Healthcare Heroes. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you back here Monday.